0: Today on Always Off Brand, we are discussing one of the biggest business stories of the past 20 years. What?
1: Yes, I can make an argument that these two companies actually run the country, Summer. And you're going to hear from the guy who's been reporting on it for 10 plus years.
0: It is Succession, Wolf of Wall Street, and The Office all rolled up. It is. One genius story. So listen up, enjoy, and of course, buy the book. Hello and good morning. Welcome to always off-brand e-commerce simplified. I am your co-host Summer jeweler and I am here with my favorite people Scott Oshman.
1: Oh hi there Summer.
0: And I'm so happy we have Haley Brucker. Haley in the news with us today. Morning. Three three of us together again this week. It's it, like, it's I don't know Fridays.
1: what it is. It's 2 Fridays. I know.
0: This is
2: amazing. Ex- this we, hasn't happened.
1: We extended the two reunion is what I like to think. We extended the reunion. People called in. We just stayed for a little bit longer. <laughs> uh, we were talking right before he hit record summer, and we always try to like, what's going on? I mean, uh, Haley bought an 80-acre horse farm, which is hysterical. If you haven't listened to the episode last week with John Elder, I threw in as many Yellowstone clips as I possibly could. Oh, just good to- Lord. <laughs> Because it would just kept cracking me up how clueless Summer and I are about horses and horse and rings and everything else. So that's a teaser. But Summer said, We usually have all these stories, and Summer says, I'm just boring. I have nothing to say. And I'm like, Oh, wait, you've turned into me? <laughs> What's going on, Summer Jubilee? I
0: just, I don't know. I, you know, I have been just running from one thing to the next. I feel like work, you're just sprinting and it's like you come up for air and like I, I know I'm seeing people. You saw me, but I can't remember what I did. I got
1: to see, I got to go to the palace of an undisclosed location somewhere in Western Washington, maybe. And I got to see Summer Jubilee this week, which was a treat for me. And you gave me a few minutes, even took me out on the deck. I got to see, by the way, Haley, the fake grass doing wonderfully. The artificial turf is, it looks gorgeous. I bet you it's just, really green this time of it year. Is.
0: Very green. I have the greenest yard in the whole neighborhood. <laughs> you must have just put some lime down or,
2: you know, spread some compost. No, uh. I was thinking
0: about you because I what you just bought sounds like my worst nightmare. And I was talking to Scott about it and I was just like, I don't even know what I would do. Like Recording if in progress.
1: Uh, so I always like, forget you to start to the video. Sorry I summarize. Take for- care
0: of this. It's all right. You, you have to take care of this property and I would be like, F you, I'm out. Like, I, I'd oh. rather we the have employees awful.
1: she has a house a of, the, she has a
2: couple employees that will help us take care of it it's not <laughs> just like two. Just two two
1: yeah anyway i
0: would need like six per acre
1: her two
2: boys oh, well, not all not all of the acres need work it's like a lot of woods <laughs> yeah
0: i don't know anyways she,
1: summer has I, a gorgeous house whatever i got to see the boys they they acknowledge my existence because they're barely they were on their 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 little tablets playing games they were actually talking to people it was, it was very cool um and so i just felt i felt honored and privileged to be able to to get to the jubileer house um i have nothing else going on really i think it's we have such a fun show today we have such an exciting guest i think we should just get right into it what do you guys think Do we here we go let's, let's go. start the music okay This is a big deal for a lot of people, for me. Been a fanboy for a long time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Yeah, he's been a veteran business journalist who spent a decade at Recode. He's been covering Amazon, Walmart, technology forever. He's the host of Land of the Giants, which I love, by the way. He's... Done everything, but ladies and gentlemen, he has written a book that we absolutely love Winner Sells All Amazon Walmart and the
3: Battle of Our Wallets. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jason Del Rey. Oof. I feel like I have to stand up, run into the rink, uh, boxing gloves on, but uh, I'm going to be <laughs> gentle today.
0: <laughs> now, what you should have done is make that Manhattan, and then you could have just taken the sip Ooh. and said, now, nice to be here. This is
1: your I mean, 75th yeah. podcast to promote this book. So we're, thank you. It was out on June 20th. Order it now. Even before you even listen to anything else, just order it now. Do it. Uh, but, but I don't think you've had an inter- uh, introduction quite like that, Jason.
3: I, I don't. I, I definitely have not. <laughs> um, I did have someone ask me if I was related to Lana Del Rey on live TV. That was nice. not, not great. Did you, know, but, did you know who she was? Oh, Yes, Okay. Yes, good. Um, uh, summertime sadness, of course. Um, yes, I, I did know that. And I thought I had a pretty good response. And after my pretty good response, that's when I looked up above the camera and saw, yes, we are, in fact, still on live TV. Um, so <laughs> that's how my book launch started uh, morning of June 20th. That's
1: fantastic, so we got your great public uh, relations team, Jessica and everybody, sent off uh, phenomenal packets and I think seventeen different questions yeah we're we're not going to do that. that's just not the show. that's not how we roll. What, I wouldn't do it if I were you either. Well, so. we love what we love, and I've heard you and Kara Swisher and I could name drop all the people you have, but just google them you'll you'll see, which i listen I listen to Kara and all that inmossssburg, but The characters. I just want to start with describing the scene, okay? The whole diapers.com, the Amazon Walmart thing is like, I I was telling these guys before we hit record, I, I had like the Mission Impossible theme going in my head as I'm reading that because it's so clandestine. And so just, can you
3: describe that little just scene? The, the scene uh, with Mark Laurie and his Quidzy co founder, diapers.com. Yeah, co-founder? yeah, like the, the, the scene. One?
1: You just, you, I have the the suits come in and they're the, it's like the Godfather. They're in the back of the Italian restaurant sitting down and it's just like, I don't know, maybe that was just. Yes. Me.
2: How's the Italian food in this restaurant? Good. Try the veal. It's the best in the
3: city. Yes, yes, yeah. So, um, yes, I'm going to forget the year. I want to say 2009, 2010. And, uh, Diapers.com at the time, independent, fast growing startup, you know, really hot in the business press. Um, although I will say I was not covering the space at that time. So I, and I did not have kids, so I couldn't care less, but yeah. now I care a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and so Mark Laurie and his co founder, Vinny Barrara, they are meeting with these Amazon executives, uh, corp dev executives uh, in this fancy swanky, uh, meat packing district, New York city (laughs) restaurant. And they're there to basically like, they're on the way to sell the company to Amazon and it's supposed to be a good time. And then Mark and Vinny are kind of like, they're sweating the whole time because they have to break the news to these guys that, um, even though they're in this, uh, I think they're in this exclusive negotiating period to sell the company to Amazon, Walmart had called one of them on the way and was like, actually, that $550 million deal that someone else has given, offered to you, um, we're going to make it 650 And like, that's a that's $100 million difference. That's insane. So not small. So, and so I think I say in the book, like, for entrepreneurs on the, on the uh, precipice of their first big, like, I mean, oh. dream of a payday like a hundred million dollars more is a no-brainer of course you go and it's not like you're selling to some company that may go out of business you're selling to Walmart right maybe not as sexy but uh they're two like New York New Jersey guys so maybe they don't want to be in Bentonville but but my god you could buy you could buy Bentonville well maybe not Bentonville you could buy parts of Arkansas for (laughs) a hundred million dollars right and so um They tell the table of Amazon execs, you know, about this, this offer, and these guys just lose their mind. And yes, it was all guys. Um, and, uh, they lose their mind. They've been drinking and they, they're kind of like, we will take you to zero. Like, you know, don't fuck with us. I don't know. I don't know. I mean it probably came out of their mouth oh hell yeah it came I mean, out just, of their mouth Sure,
0: this is where you plug in the scene from Succession where yes, the guy's yes. like I'm not gonna sell to you yes yes. and he's like yes. I will destroy you <laughs> but he it in I, a much like like beautiful language than what I just said
1: I'm not letting you Neanderthals in to rape my company ever I'm sorry a bunch of bloated dinosaurs who didn't even notice a monkey swinging by till yesterday well fuck you daddy's boy
3: sorry this isn't going to work out No,
1: it's going to work out.
3: And it's a totally different scene, but, um, I can't get over the, I'm the eldest boy, uh, in the last episode uh, scene, but anyway, I'm not Kendall. Uh, so, so yeah. So these guys go nuts and they're basically like, they're threatening to crush, crush these guys even more than they were already trying to do before the acquisition talks. And, uh, Mark and, and Vinny have this decision to make. They talk to their board and um you know there's a lot of different reasons given by different people for w- why they made the decision they did, but ultimately they were scared out of their minds of if the Walmart if they go with Walmart, but that deal doesn't fall th- uh, doesn't happen for some reason that it falls through and there were some clauses in the agreement with Walmart that scared them a bit. Uh, that they'd be they'd be out of business and Amazon would, you know, crush them. and so they sell to Amazon um and anyway that's that's one of, one of my favorite scenes in the book i'm trying to think if, if it is my favorite but but that's early on in uh that, i think chapter but 1 but that's
1: where you also introduce it, it, that that scene was just remarkable to me and, and for those who haven't i was around and if inside the Amazon culture at that time, right? If you just understand, these guys are cold blooded business people. They are as nerdy as it comes and they are straight up and you don't, it just, they're, they, are they are not warm and fuzzy. So I can, I'm reading this and I could just imagine this conversation. It was fantastic.
3: Okay. Yeah. And, and just one more thing, like Mark, you know, we could talk about this more. One of the key characters, Mark, yes. Corey, like, um, you know, for all of his financial success he's had with the two big monster uh sales of his of Quidzy and Jet.com, like that dude doesn't like conflict like at hmm. all. And um he, you know, I think you know, people around him relayed to me, you know, he he was like, This is this is like a mafia shakedown. <laughs> like it was just, yeah, uh, seemed, you know, really unfair and uh Anyway, um, yeah, one of one of my favorite scenes. So um, well, let's and, talk that, about Mark Laurie there. Yeah,
2: what kind of guy is he? What what's he really like?
1: See, that, that sets the table for one of the greatest characters of this book. I know he's a real human being, but he <laughs> yeah. is. You know, I keep calling him characters because he's he is. It's just sensational. As you peel the layers back of this cat, you're just like, holy shit balls!
3: Yeah, there. You know. I was just gonna say he has layers. What is that? Uh, Is that a? I'm not gonna call him Shrek, but I think uh, an onion reminds me of the Shrek. Yeah, we just Um, call him
0: an onion. Yeah, yeah.
3: (laughs) And um, no, so Mark has layers, and you know, I've spent a good amount of time with him over the years since I started covering Jet back in. Geez, I guess it launched in 15. Maybe I started writing about it in 14. um, So almost 10 years, and um, you know, so one thing, you know. He he is an incredible vision setter and Ugh. promoter, and um, you know I have some quote in the book from I forget who who exactly it was, but they're talking about him pitching to venture capitalists, and they're just like he he is he is one of the most gifted salesmen in, in the world. And he doesn't come across in one-on-one as a salesy kind of guy, but he just makes people believe and makes smart people believe in things that maybe they shouldn't, (laughs) shouldn't have believed in. But like, um, so that, that's him on one hand, uh, one-on-one, like he's, um, not aggressive at all. Uh, Laid back guy. I mean, he believes what he believes, but like I said, super conflict avoidant, which maybe has worked against him at some times. Although, you know, we could talk about his track record.
1: Um, no, I, hey, he's <laughs> in the, and this is a true story, he's in the Hall of Fame of e commerce. He's in the Hall of Fame. I happened to be like, I didn't really know him. I, I was at his conference at a, at a channel advisor conference and it was part uh-huh. of their big launch. And I'm like 10 feet. They have like 50 people there pitching pitching sellers, pitching people on jet.
0: They came to Merson's office. Oh, did they? I was going to just
1: ask, yeah. They
0: were there and they had me, I was like, how do I get on jet? How do I get our sellers on there?
3: Yeah. And so, you know, and, and now he's, um, I I had someone ask me, I have a lot of people ask me, but one interview I did, I had someone ask me, you know, like, why is he, (laughs) so he sold, you know, left Walmart, sold jet for whatever, 3.3. Quidzy 550 to Amazon um, and uh, bought the Minnesota Timberwolves with Alex Rodriguez, um, made one of the worst trades in NBA history. But if we're (laughs) not an NBA podcast, I don't need to.
1: No, I'm a huge sports nut and I knew that you like sports. So I was thinking of sports analogies already.
3: I will just say I only care about this trade and I've told Mark himself because it totally screwed over my New York Knicks um, because <laughs> it was so bad of a trade giving up so much that then in future trades, teams had to give up even more for good players and that screwed my 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 depressing Knicks team. Anyway, um, yeah, so I was saying, yeah, I was just saying personality-wise, you know, I've had some people ask me, you know, he, bu- he left, he's made... All this money bought a NBA franchise. He is trying maybe still to create a city of the future. I, I need to check in on that. Um uh but but despite all of that, he is like working his ass off um on this concept in the East Coast called Wonder, which is a food uh delivery. Well, it was a food delivery company, they've now done away with the delivery, and it's now sort of do you guys know this at all? Do you know what? No, no, no. no you know, I can just, about okay. is
0: I can't believe he's gotten into food given everything that. Oh
3: my gosh. Okay. So he, I'll, I'll try to give the brief story on wonder. Um, and we're he, trying to sell your book, Jason. Okay. We're trying to sell the book. <laughs> so let's just. Yeah.
0: This, this is going to be the next one. This is the follow up.
3: No, I mean, but, I mean, there is a great feature article to write about what, what he's done. Um, after Walmart and why and why he's trying anyway. Wonder they were they were licensing recipes from phenomenal restaurants that you can't find in suburban New Jersey, and then they were basically uh, <laughs> cooking. It sounds kind of ridiculous cooking those recipe, those meals in a van outside your door, so it was as fresh as possible. Oh my god! And delivering it to your door. But you can imagine, we can cook wood-fired pizza in about three minutes and four at a time.
0: So imagine in New York City, you're turning out four pizzas every three minutes, handing it to a runner, and they're literally going a block, delivering the pizza, and running back.
3: Um, and he raised like he raised, he put a ton of his own money, but I think he raised five hundred million or three hundred million no for way. this <laughs> idea, and then he laid off half the company last year. Huh. But I've been told is like working. Eighty-hour weeks on this new, <laughs> on this new startup, and it just—I think that's part of him. I think he does have this chip on his shoulder. No matter what he says, how much money is made, I think part of him is like he knows the criticism that he cannot build, or people believe he cannot build a sustainable, long-standing, independent, profitable business because, frankly, he hasn't yet. So and. um I I I don't know. I think that's part of it too. So he's a wild guy. He's um wild in a um in terms of ambition. Um and you know, he and there was a lot of clashes inside Walmart. Oh. Some of it was cultural and some of it was business philosophy. Um on the cultural side like when he bought his 44 million dollar New York City penthouse apartment yes. alongside all these celebrities um and I, I've been there once or twice. It is uh, an amazing apartment. Um, he was furious when it got out into the press because he knew how the Arkansas leaders would would look at it. And Sam Walton wow. himself, you know, in his autobiography, said, "You know, we can enjoy you can enjoy your money, but you, you, like you're not going to be flaunting it." And a forty four million dollar apartment is, um, <laughs> yes. uh, along with showing up at the airport for a flight to Walmart uh, in a Bentley. Uh, you know, that's flaunting. So um, enjoys his money, I guess.
2: $44 million in Arkansas would buy you a lot of
3: horse farms. That would... (laughs) Not just an apartment in Manhattan. I was going to say a lot of politics, but... No, yeah, that too.
0: Politicians. (laughs) Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about some of the bigger picture topics that we saw in your book. So we want to look at like Walmart buying Flipkart. Like what's going on there? Let's talk about... TikTok and what we think influence that is going to have when we get back.
1: Hi, this is John Elder with Black Label Advisor. It's great to be here. I, I'm on the show, uh, always off-brand. Okay, so I, I think this book, and some are, we think this book is actually crosses way beyond just if you're retail, e-commerce, or whatever. I could make an argument, in many ways, Walmart and Amazon have more—they run the country. They essentially—and the globe. I mean, you could go way beyond just the United States. Talk about—the characters of this book, the, the conflict, the story arcs, the personalities, the egos are just—just just fly off the page. Even if you're not into that, this is a drama. This is an unbelievable drama that affects everybody every single day. That's what—of course, I, I'm biased because I lived half of it. But yeah, that's— that's where I think the, the two greatest characters in this book is Walmart and Amazon.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, I listen, um I took 3 years out of my life to to write this book <laughs> and it, it, you know, a lot of stress uh, yes on me but on my, you know, on my on my family as well and um I did it because yes, I'm a retail and e-commerce nerd and I saw how much I, I didn't think the public knew how much these two really influence each other behind oh. the scenes and how decisions that are made at the top of these companies that impact, you know, millions of employees, all the customers, all the communities they they exist in were made sometimes based on like normal, dumb human traits, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah, rev- just egos. Like like insecurity, yeah, ego, revenge. I mean, and I think for how much power they have, like the world should know how they make decisions and why. And, you know, I think I think on one hand, you know, some people might have a little more empathy seeing these are actually really humans making these really tough decisions. But on the other hand, it's like, geez, like uh, this, this company influences, you know, for employees, um, how the whole logistics industry works and like... It's one guy at the top, you know, just deciding like he wants to be a hard ass on the, you know, in this way. And, you know, so I I felt a great responsibility to try to, you know, show the world what's going on inside these companies, what their motivations are, how they impact each other. And I think that should be, you know, should be required reading for a lot of people who just care about the future of the economy and labor Um, (laughs) And, you know, that's why my wife does not work in the industry, frankly, does not care about the industry. Um, And she was my first and last reader, because I, I wanted her to be able to not only get through the book, but find it enjoyable, informative. And I knew she would tell me if it wasn't any of those things, and so when she gave me a big thumbs up, I, I felt really confident about about uh, the launch and putting this out into the world.
0: So, what is you know you're describing? What some of these men will do to win at all costs? What story sticks out to you in the book that you described uh, that we should share with our listeners today? That like best describes like how much their ego and pride drove them to make this decision and the impacts that it had
1: so many throwdowns, so many gladiator ring matches.
3: Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, um, I'm going to get back to the, to the revenge point, but one, one anecdote and showdown that just stands out and it might not, it's not as much revenge as, as sort of how much, um, sort of old good good old boy uh friendships might still play a role in decisions of these companies. I, I have a chapter um and it's about sort of the unsexy logistics stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I hey, listen,
0: you're talking to three people yeah. who think logistics are very sexy. Yeah, I so mean, I
3: the, hate the them. The sexiest <laughs> chapter of my book is chapter I want to say it's chapter 8 and um and I'm talking about Walmart bringing in a bunch of former Amazon execs to try to reinvent the middle mile a- at Walmart, and you know these these guys and gals from Amazon are given these big big paydays. Um, they're given these titles uh, that they actually have to. They're asked to lie about internally because old school Walmart execs would get pissed about and they they come up with this whole joint venture uh that was going to be between Walmart and Nugistics and the USPS but what that would have meant was FedEx's volume with with Walmart would have been cut in I don't know if it was half but a, a lot a lot of the volume would have been taken away from Walmart sorry from FedEx handed over to um uh to the USPS for the last mile delivery uh and essentially they think like they were brought in to come up with a plan they come up with this plan the guy who's leading it he built out amazon's sortation center strategy from scratch like he is the guy to do it he had worked at F- fedex for 20 years his name's uh mike ingersano and um they're told at the last minute like sorry like i know you, i know i know you worked all this time well they're actually not told sorry we know you worked all this time they're just told sorry yeah but there's, there's no apologies <laughs> and <laughs> And what preceded that no was a meeting between FedEx and Walmart executives. Fred Smith from FedEx is in it. Doug McMillan from Walmart's in it. They have a close relationship. Um, you know, Fred, in some ways, I've been told a, a mentor of sorts to Doug. Uh, they worked together through the business roundtable that uh, Doug was chairing for a while, and um, it's just like. You know, they, no one can prove that 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 Fred telling Doug it was a bad idea. Come on come made on. that decision Th- that's but like
1: absolutely a hundred percent accurate true. Fred Smith, one of the many great quotes burned and Walmart has their own when they burn in the trail. Fred Smith, Amazon will never understand logistics and be able to deliver packages like FedEx. Sorry. I think in twenty two, they sell and they ship more products, more units, more packages than FedEx. Sorry, Fred. But absolutely yep. 100%. That is a that is a leather chairs smoking in the back room conversation. Come
3: on, Jason. Yeah, and it's a fun it's a fun <laughs> business story, but it's also like, you know, we don't know what this joint venture would have what the result would have been. But there's a possibility that Walmart customers would have had better, quicker deliveries, maybe cheaper, um but they'll never know that because, you know, Fred, Fred, and Doug, you know, had this conversation and this whole plan and all the money spent to get to that point just, you know, down the drain. One, one other one that sort of speaks to revenge and uh, this but is another resentment. Walmart. I think the it, it's common. Both, it's both companies.
1: Yeah, resentment. There's so much resentment built in this oh, story. Yeah. It's like it's it's palpable. It's just yeah, unbelievable. One, What's the next one? More story?
3: Fa- one more favorite one, if yes, I may. Yes, just, please. I'll make it much quicker. So. You know, there was this Amazon Key program. I still think they're like Deliver Inside Your Door, right? And um, (laughs) Doug McMillan (laughs) at Walmart... Wait,
0: wait, before you go into... Explain (laughs) to our listeners what it is because I just think it's...
3: Sure. So the initial idea was you're going to allow an amazon delivery person to deliver merchandise inside your house and, and then they're
0: like well maybe not just inside how about just your garage
3: but yeah, <laughs> yeah and you'd have you you need to buy a a cloud connected camera and uh Anyway, um, so they they this comes out or or sorry, it's not out yet, but they're working on it behind the scenes. And somehow, I think I know how, but I'm not positive. Somehow, Walmart CEO Doug McMillan finds out about this. I think that Amazon had burned one of the smart lock companies, and mm. they in turn told Walmart. I think. Don't quote me, but I just said it, and it's recorded, so <laughs> I guess you'll quote me. Put a ble- um,
0: put a bleeper in there, Scott.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Um so so Doug, you know, the e-commerce team at Walmart uh under then Mark Laurie's leadership after jet.com acquisition, they get this mandate from Doug that's like I want us to beat Amazon to this deliver inside your door thing and so in like Wait wait se-
0: out of all the things that they could possibly want to beat Amazon at it's this it,
1: it this it is, is <laughs> this
3: this is, and, this is you so- know, one of my big takeaways from this book, uh, and you guys know this well in business, but is like narratives really yeah. can matter, right? Yeah. And yeah. Especially Absolutely. on Wall Street and in the, sadly, in the media, you know, journalists get spun. It happens. I'm not immune. Um, and so they rushed, they like rushed through this six week build to build some pilot test of Walmart in home delivery. And I didn't remember this at the time. And I was covering both companies. Walmart apparently like beat Amazon to this announcement. Um, and inside, you know, some parts of Walmart, they were like, man, we got him!" Like they usually <laughs> beat us, but we beat him on this. Um, and the truth is though, Walmart still, you know, as part of Walmart plus you can do an add on and have groceries delivered into your fridge. So, um,
0: really, maybe, yeah, maybe
3: it'll be a long-term differentiator. I, I I mean, somebody's got
0: to, somebody's got to combat these porch pirates. Delivery to your doorstep. This morning, Walmart is going further. Delivery people letting themselves into your home and unloading the groceries into your fridge. I mean, it's all over my next door feed. This guy stole this. This guy stole that.
2: Well, and we were also just talking about how Amazon just can't quite nail the grocery you know, oh, they yeah. they tried with Whole Foods, and it's you know, Summer and I were just talking and Scott before the show. Like, it's just a big marketing expense to us. Summer loves that, but <laughs> um, but yeah, they just can't quite nail the delivery for groceries. And you know, maybe Walmart has them in the corner for that.
3: Or and they can't. I mean, we could talk about this. They obviously can't have it nailed the the in store grocery experience either. Like, you know, we could even separate from Whole Foods with the Amazon Fresh stores. I actually. Um, there was a great article by the, uh, journalist at the information a couple months ago where he was talking about these zombie Amazon fresh stores where, um, they've signed leases, but they're just like sitting there. And <laughs> yeah. I, I dropping yeah. my son off at basketball camp this morning. I passed one in New Jersey and, um, I'm going to go take a little peek next week just to see how zombie it looks. By it's, you
0: know what? It's, it is going to look like a zombie because it's going to be a Halloween superstore.
1: Ah. Yes. it's about that time. <laughs> to me, this is just—I love that story about we finally got him because <laughs> is Mark Laurie the villain or the hero? And one of the questions was: was yeah. Should you know? Should they have bought Jet and blah blah blah? Well, this is just my opinion, not, not out of the book. Absolutely, that was the smartest three point three billion dollars. It seemed—I remember this to the day. I, everyone was just like, "What in the what? It, why?" It seems so dumb, but it absolutely, in my opinion, was the, was was the genesis of what where Walmart is today.
3: Yeah, I you know I had a lot of smart people at the time. You know, I wrote a piece when it was when rumors of it first broke in the press. They weren't. I, I hate when when press people call a journalist report rumors. So I'm going to retract that. Yeah, you're the journalist the talk, guy. What are you doing? When the, when the talks <laughs> first uh, broke in the press. I think in the Wall Street Journal initially, I, um, I wrote a sort of an analysis, analysis piece saying like, this is a desperate marriage, but I think it's one that needs to happen for both sides. Mm. And I had a lot of smart people respond to me who I respect, who are like, for $3 billion, like, do you know the talent that Walmart can hire? And my point was like, but they're not going to be able to hire that talent, nor should we trust that they're going to be able to give these people sort of the free reign to do what needs to be done in that part of the business? And so there were tons of mistakes by Mark and his team, like tons and tons. But I will say like if narrative and stock price and your reputation in hiring circles like matters, um, like home run in those, in those regards. And, um, yeah, like the heart, you know, acquiring digital brands and the bonobos, and and you know, bringing in Andy Dunn, who I spoke to for the book as well, very candid with me, um, like that stuff largely, you know, was a big failure, right? But um, I don't know. I think if your definition of success includes all those other things I mentioned, yeah, I think I think they're a better company for having made that deal for sure.
2: Do you think Walmart really dropped the ball when they let TikTok slide? because they did have you know, they were kind of in talks to buy TikTok. Yeah, that was everyone's you know,
0: been in talks to buy cool. TikTok. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough.
2: Yes. Yeah, My, so,
0: Microsoft was this close. But you know, they don't have that
2: e-com that social that Amazon is so well known for. So why didn't they buy TikTok?
3: So there yeah, so there's some nuance there and I I think so they were they were part of a deal um where combined with Oracle Sorry, I'm shaking my head, but um, it's just, That's just... I, I, Oracle, impressive, impressive company. But um, I get very yeah. bored when when the word comes out of my mouth. But anyway, they were <laughs> they were are well, they? They're not a sponsor, are they?
1: No, but but the funniest yeah. thing about Oracle is every internal system Amazon had. Yes. Was, yeah. was run on Oracle. Yes. It wasn't even run on AWS for like five years into AWS. It's just people yes. don't understand that. It's just hysterical. I mean, it's, and I was say. And there was a
3: tweet, didn't like, I think I think when they finally announced whatever, fully moving off it, yeah. or I think Jassy, was it Jassy or someone else tweeted about it? Like, anyway. It was, um,
1: yeah, it's hamsters and rubber bands. Let me just tell you, that's what I've been <laughs> saying since 2007, eight, nine, I don't know. It's It's a wonder shit
3: gets to our doors, but go ahead. So, so, <laughs> so anyway, Walmart and Oracle, you know, they were going to combine by 20% of TikTok. Yeah. Um, this was back when president Trump was still president Trump and, uh, was basically demanding something, you know, a spinoff or a sale. Um, that was right before, I think that was right before the election that he lost. Um, no, no matter your politics, he, yeah, yeah. he lost. Yeah, he we're, lost we're, the election. Um, we're with sorry. You. Uh, no, we uh, that's yeah. and uh, and so and so that that deal kind of just went away. The Biden administration put it on the shelf until just recently, when there's now more pressure anew about you know TikTok might have to do something and and uh, ByteDance might have to do something their parent company and, yeah. and sell off the U.S. So so anyway, I could they could they've been more aggressive quickly and gotten something done i don't know that was a huge deal with geopolitics yeah so but i did i did also write at the time and believe like it did seem like one partnership investment potential future acquisition that would finally make them be not the player in digital that was chasing amazon from behind and one that was you know now that match walmart like with the TikTok, like a lot of people laughed at that idea, <laughs> yeah. like the brand match and all that. But I don't know, wackier things have worked. And so I, I was excited to see what could have happened with that investment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe we'll never know, but um maybe we will. I mean I know that um I know Doug was Doug McMillan, the CEO, was, was a fan of that investment. I know really the chair of Walmart, a uh, guy who makes some appearances in the book, Greg Penner. Uh, I think he's is he the grandson-in-law yeah. of, of Sam Walton, or maybe I'm off a generation. <laughs> anyway, um, longtime Walmart guy, uh, married into the family. He, he was a big proponent of, of doing something there too. So maybe it'll come up again. I'm going to tease the book here. The, the TikTok,
1: this is an example. We talked about the, the start of the show, right? The whole scene about buying diapers and how they came in. To me, and you you illuminated this, you, you have no idea how close Walmart was to making an acquisition or making a decision on a fork in a road that could have changed the way we live today.
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah, so... Yeah. I mean, there, there's the diapers example later on. There's the, um, you know, one of my, another favorite chapter and you know, it's about healthcare. And that used to be a word that also made my eyes glaze over, but I forced myself to really get smart, hopefully about this space, about both companies ambitions in it. And so, uh, one chapter had to be chapter 11. There's, it's not a bankruptcy joke, but that's chapter, (laughs) that's chapter 11. And, um, and they, Walmart had in their grasp this company called PillPack, um, which was an mm-hmm. innovative online pharmacy, still exists now under the Amazon umbrella because they dragged their feet. <laughs> exactly. um, I have all these great scenes about the back and forth there. Um should I give away like one of my, you know this a yes. tiny anecdote I'll give it away yes. I still want you to buy the book promise me listener you'll still buy the book go buy um, if
1: you haven't bought it by now I would be listening to this and just like go over to the other screen and go to Amazon or wherever the heck you want and buy it come on
3: and so you know Pillpack their young entrepreneurial company Walmart had a chance they they go out of their deal goes uh, deal talks sort of pause Amazon steps in, closes the deal quickly. They announce it to the world. And Walmart CEO Doug McMillan, I'm told the, the, the deal with Amazon's announced to the world, but he still calls up PillPack's CEO founder and tries to get him to back out. And is like, I apologize. You know, we dragged our feet. I will personally shepherd this across the finish line. And Pillpacks founder, this guy uh, TJ is kind of like, like what? Like this deals public <laughs> to the world. Yeah. Like, like yes, it wasn't finalized. You know, the company's announced an intent. It has to go through right. you know government scrutiny. But it, you can't. You're not backing out of that because. Uh, but <laughs> that just that. I think there was. I think whether Doug would admit it or not, and I you know. I didn't get to ask him this specific question when I sat down with him for 90 minutes, he's feeling this incredible, like pressure. I don't know if it's insecurity that like we're letting another innovative company slip out of our grasp to, uh, to Amazon. Um, Mm -hmm. and so anyway, yes, I have these powerful anecdotes all over the book that, um, that really, you know, tell you the true story of what happened behind the press releases. And, um, and tell you how you know the world could have been very different for a lot of us if if certain deals as you, as you just said uh, had gone one way or the other.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm telling you this is like the last dance story doc of behind, you Doug
1: McMillan is not a public he's on earnings calls, he's on CNBC. He doesn't yep. do a lot of sit downs and you hung out with him and you were at his office and you got I, I enjoyed learning more about him and his history and how he thinks about things. I, I personally think he was just absolutely, again, again, livid at his team, livid that they didn't cross yeah. the finish line, and another petty, just I love the pettiness of Amazon. Another petty umpteen billion-dollar move.
3: Yeah, Doug, um, you know, I've had a lot of, I've had some I've had a lot of feedback on the book since it's come out, but I've had some specific feedback from folks who know a lot more about Amazon than Walmart work in the industry, who've just said, "Like, man, he's a great character. Like, yes. why?" And and so I have. There is this um, thread in the book about new people coming into Walmart, e-commerce folks with Amazon background, seeing how charismatic, what a great leader in a lot of ways, Doug is and wondering why the hell inside the company, people are still asking each other, what would Sam do? Meaning what would Sam yeah. do? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, there's some subtitles in the. There's a subtitle in the book that's that comes from a quote someone gave me, which is like Sam was great. Sam wrote the book. Like Sam's dead. And, um, <laughs> it's very archaic. Yeah. And so maybe if I ever write Doug McMillan's biography, the title would be Sam's dead. But um, I don't. I don't know. That probably wouldn't go over great in Arkansas. Oh, but it's true. Yeah. But it, but but like people were blown away that he doesn't have even more of a profile, both internally and externally, because of his his. Pretty, pretty amazing oration skills and and just um, being coming across as a really down-to-earth, uh, curious, um, but empathetic guy. Yeah. I think that's
0: what interested me the most, in, not the most, there's a lot that interested me. Uh, in the book, how long a culture, once it's set, cannot pivot. And I, I mean, it says a lot about just like, it's not just corporations, it's our culture as, Americans, What do you think companies should – what do you think companies can do to really end a, a culture that isn't benefiting them anymore and not drag their feet for 25 years?
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I, in that way, I think just talking about the jet acquisition and bringing in folks who – whether they're going to pick the exact right strategy or individual tactics are going to just create a sense of urgency and kind of mm-hmm. just you know it's like throw you know the phrase throw an elephant in the pool like that when some people look at what Walmart did in that regard, um, uh, I think I think that's one thing is maybe you're not spending three point three billion dollars, but you need to bring in people that are going to make you feel uncomfortable, and that's not. It is, you have to be really self aware to, to do that. So that's tough. But I talked to the former Corp Dev leader, head of M&A at Walmart, who I didn't know at all. Her name is Lori Fleece. She's no longer at the company. Um, I learned she was a, one of the major promoters of the Jet.com acquisition. And she told me, I said to Doug, like, uh, we're hemming and hawing about this deal. Like, if we don't do this deal, what what are we doing instead to get a lot faster, very quickly in e-commerce? And you know, I laughed to myself, and I've said to some people on interviews, like, "Is that a great reason to do a three point three billion acquisition?" Like, I, you know, part of me was like, "No, that sounds like a terrible idea." But on the <laughs> other hand, I think she, I think she knew well, like our DNA is, you know, we need this culture shakeup and yeah, it's going to cost us that, but we're Walmart and can afford it. And, um, anyway, so that's what I think bringing in people who, who make you uncomfortable. Um, obviously it helps if they have a strong track record of doing something well that matters to you. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, that, that's something that stuck out to me.
2: Yeah. At the end of the book, you talk about Amazon and the challenges they face because they've had a lot of massive leaders and influential leaders leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate a little on that and your opinion and, you know, what is the trajectory
3: now?
0: Give us your crystal ball. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um So <laughs> I think um, – yeah, so obviously Jeff Bezos stepped aside from the CEO role. And I do believe he is the exec chair or whatever his title is. Mm-hmm. But like he's on, he is on his yacht in $500 million yacht in the middle of, I don't know. The Black Sea or something. So yeah. I, I like I think Andy Jassy is running the company. Like I don't think he's sure. a puppet. He's been there forever. He ran AWS. So that's one thing. That said, yes, losing Jeff Wilkie, who was who was uh, the longtime number two running the core consumer business. Um then losing uh, Dave Clark, who was the longtime ops leader, um, nicknamed, yep. once nicknamed the Sniper, yep. because early in his career, he would h- like kind of hide in a warehouse and just wait for someone to slack off so he could fire them on the spot. Um, oh. Now, there are a lot of strong opinions about, about Dave. Um, he's now running a company called Flexport. Uh, They're not doing too shabby, by the way. Don't feel bad for Dave Clark. He's fine. No, 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 he's (laughs) fine. Um, But like, you know, has got, you know, very effective at at what he's done over the years. Um, I don't know many people could do that job at Amazon, but also like someone gave me a quote there. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, um, he doesn't run with you as a, like someone who works for him, like he runs through you or something, something along the lines. Like, so they, they've, and there's been other leaders, but those are some top of mind that have left. And I think, you know, and I think they left at a time where the, they had overbuilt the warehouse capacity, right? And consumer demand during the pandemic was coming back, you know, toward the norm. And so I think they've been, I think they've been back on their heels the last couple of years um, trying to figure this out under Jassy. I think there was, but I think there was some undisciplined spending under that former exec team that, mm-hmm. you know, now showed itself in the, all the cost cutting Jassy has done. And so. Right. Um, all those I'm programs they cut. Yeah. Yeah, So you want me to look ahead though. Listen, I think the company's at a, a very important inflection point, um, right now where, um, they've had the cost cutting. Uh, I think they they just had a good earnings, um, but mm-hmm. they've had this cost cutting. Uh, they've had this, the morale is, Really bad in most parts of the organization, and and some people would say, "Isn't it always bad at Amazon?" Like, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think they're probably, No, I, I mean, I. I Summer I, and I think it depends Summer, where you. I think. it, yeah. it, it depends always depends you on you what shed.
0: group you're in, yeah. Yeah. right? Summer yeah, and yeah. I yeah. debate and this, this, and this return to office is making a lot of people. <laughs> well,
3: yeah, right. And so, and so, they're, You know, they are they. They've shed a ton of very good talent, and wow. um, I, I think. I'm very curious what how aggressive they remain in physical retail. I think they think they need to be aggressive there for a variety of reasons, including to have sort of return and pickup centers. But also, I think they realize grocery delivery is just incredibly difficult, and they yeah. can no longer just you know lose mm-hmm. tons and tons on it. And so, I think. I'm going to punt a little on the question because I, I think they've got through a lot of the cost cutting. I think this next year under Andy Jassy, call it through um, the end of 24, is going to tell us a lot about the, what he sees the future of the company being. But I think they are at this point where they you know, morale is not good. They have an FTC antitrust suit that I believe is going to be coming down on them in the next year. Whether or mm, not mm-hmm. you think that's ridiculous, that is a huge distraction that I don't know if they could have avoided the FTC trying to regulate it, them.
0: Explain just a high level sure. what, what the issue is for our listeners.
3: Sure. So, I mean, the lawsuit's not public, so we don't know all the details in it. But I think it'll – I think it'll settle – I think it will – um, focus a lot on Amazon's relationship with their third-party sellers. A lot of the policies they have around um, not being able to price products lower off of Amazon, but also how you essentially, if you don't use FBA for many, if you if you don't use FBA and you don't advertise, like you don't exist on Amazon nope. as a. And so, whether that is unlawful or anti-competitive in any way is going to, I think, be a big focus of the suit. And I think my only point about this is, um, a lot of people are like, Amazon has more money than you know God. They can, they'll beat this. It, even if it goes to trial, they will beat this. They'll just, you know. But it didn't have to be this way. Their stance, and this is a whole nother section of the Amazon story. Um, their sort of combative stance uh, in Washington, D.C., both with Congress and regulators, um, the fact that when using seller data, how aggressive they were in promoting their own brands, yes, everyone does private label, but there are differences in how Amazon has gone about it that I think a lot of people think is really unfair. Um, they made choices that I think folks who used to work there, who work in D.C., in antitrust, we're really disappointed about because, you know, they just a lack of self awareness and thinking they can beat the world. And it may, you know, it may take five, seven years for some, you know, different, some breakup of the company or some major changes in policy. But um, this is not a road that any, you know, any top company wants to go down. And, and they're about to enter a new one. Now, mm-hmm. as as we pride ourselves
1: here on the AOB, uh, always off-brand, right? We, the, the other – I don't want people to th- listen to the story. You talk about Lori Fleece. There's actually a whole nother set of supporting cast mates. that There's tr- tremendous – because, again, I have two daughters, wife. I'm so yay women, right? Plus, we have more female voices on this podcast than anybody in our space. I'm just saying. Yep. Um. There are some Lori Fleece, that Judith McKenna. What there, there are these female characters behind that actually were, in, as usual, right? They really are smarter and better, faster, and they run the show. And their influence is great. And there's some stories. The Lena Khan origin story blew me. I had no idea. That's she's now the chairman of the FTC, which you're talking about leading the antitrust. Yeah. Uh can you yeah. talk about that part of your book just to give give the people who, if they haven't bought it by now, I mean what are you doing? but as soon as they listen uh go in order
3: yeah so um I, I think what I think part of the book you're alluding to where where I'm talking about um so yes there there are all these you know I guess in the book you would call them supporting characters, but behind the scenes playing really big roles um just just quickly on the Walmart side. Um, I don't get very deep into Sam's Club, although that I'm sure that could be its own book, um, run by Kath McClay, who people have told me they think is a dark horse to maybe be the next C- CEO of Walmart, um, after Doug McMillan, but Judith McKenna used to, uh, in the u k with asda and um, really important to she now runs international for for Walmart, but really important to the build out of online grocery in in the u s and all the lessons they learned from really messing things up uh, in the u k with asda so u uh, k listeners there's stuff in there for you too i promise you there is um, but but yeah the you know culture problem that Amazon has battled through and you learned it, uh is that, um, you know, frankly for a really long time, that company is run by a bunch of white men who, uh, yeah. you know, they talk about, Disagree and commit as a leadership principle, but man, there's a lot. There's a lot of people thinking alike inside that top of the company, and I think for a long time, that consistency of leadership actually gave them some strengths, but it also created these huge blind spots. Um, I think in terms of serving consumers, yes, but just in terms of building uh, a welcoming culture that, um, you know, every, everyone is an Amazon customer, right? Like you you will benefit from having, you know, and I I don't want to go down the whole DEI path, but like you, your company should look like your customer base looks. If you want to be the most customer obsessed company in the world, like you say, Um, and now they're saying employer obsessed as well. And so um, they just, you know, they failed in that regard for a very long time. Um, I think they've made up some ground there. Uh, but uh I think that I think morale wise, that also over the last, you know, five years, I think a lot of really talented folks who just didn't look or act like you know, what Amazon execs uh have looked like and acted mm-hmm. like over the years churn out really fast. And so, um, at their size, like can you afford to keep churning through the best and the brightest? At some point it's gonna come back to bite you. And I think Part of what we've seen with their slowdown in recent years, increased bureaucracy. Is this like running out of good talent that you can keep inside the company for a long period of time?
0: I mean, that's that's a issue, not just at Amazon, yes. but everywhere really. Yeah. Um it's it's how do you retain this talent when historically you've gone one way and you're not quite ready to 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 accept a new breed of smart and intelligent people that Look different,
1: yeah, exactly. That aren't white male. That's the thing. It's like all these incredible talented people they put in the time, yet they're not
3: getting promoted. Now the 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 org chart there is pretty flat. But can I just give a shout out to one more character in the book? Absolutely. Yeah. So, and he's a big one. Um, it is a he. Uh, his name is Greg Forin. and not giving a shout out because like I'm a personal fan, but because he plays such a big. Role in this book and sort of Mark Laurie's foil and um, you know traditional retail background. I think Doug Doug McMillan had called him like the greatest retailer you know on the planet at the time. Real while he had never uh, so his background is he's from New Zealand, um, worked in Australia for Woolworths for many many years, leading their supermarket division got passed over for the overall CEO role of I, I guess what they call Woolies locally and um and then eventually takes a role at Walmart he runs China um then runs comes over and runs the US and the dynamic between oh. him and Mark and their incentives you know misaligned incentives you know that dynamic is really a big huge one in the book one of my favorite ones um Greg would only answer. He was the only person in the book that I allowed just to answer questions via email because he's now a CEO of Air New Zealand and he just wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah. Um, but you mm-hmm. still, I get so many stories from other people and I'm grateful he still participated because I think his, his, his insights, uh, you know, helped, helped me in the book. Um, brilliant traditional retail mind, but just like, man in a lot of, you know, there's this great anecdote where he's meeting with Google, Walmart leaders and meeting with Google leaders yes. about working together. And the biggest takeaway people had years later from that meeting was how just so anti e-commerce at the time in that <laughs> meeting, Greg was in front of, I think in front of Mark Laurie and um, other leaders. And so he's a complicated guy too and I think, um People have a lot of respect for him, but there was definitely incredible friction between his teams and Mark Laurie's teams that I think creates some, some maybe expected but awesome, awesome drama for for a story like mine. Big time, big time.
1: Not to mention, not to mention, it in the very, very, very beginning. This is, I think, I don't know, I can't remember the timeline, Jason, but before. Walmart, there's people at Walmart, and there's a great story about the, the traveling across the country. The, the, they had the brains in Bentonville to actually create the largest and most successful online e-commerce in the world. Yeah. And they let him go.
3: Yeah. Top three favorite discovery in reporting this book was finding this guy named Robert Davis, who was Robert not a Davis. I love Davis. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he actually he has sent me um he he keeps sending me some like mementos he finds from his Walmart days so he sent me a picture of his his uh, Walmart badge the other day um <laughs> from like i think it was from 1995 or something uh wow. sent me a picture of all the awards he won the Sam Walton Award of Excellence one Yeah year, you talk and, about
0: how the the lawyers took it out of his house when he Well that's came actually to
3: di- yeah that's yes and um anyway Robert yeah, he was leading this little team experimenting with e-commerce inside Walmart, asked the CEO, David glass at the time for a bigger commitment was essentially told no, which was, I don't know, somewhat understandable for 99%. 95. Of, it was, this yeah. is
0: 1995. I mean, this is dial up internet, right? So well,
3: that yeah, he started working on 95, but then he's asking this in 98. So, but still early. And, um, and he was a Walmart lifer. Like he said, he had a dream house in the countryside, you know, and a, another former leader who had left for Amazon was trying to recruit him to Amazon, but he wanted to stay. But he's told no, like this is an experiment. It'll never be bigger than annual sales at one Sam's Club store. And so he, you know, as I say in the book, packs up his pickup truck, uh, starts on the uh, however thousand mile journey uh, from Arkansas to the Pacific Northwest to work at Amazon. Um, he was not a top executive there, but he worked behind the scenes on a bunch of stuff, including one-click um, and uh, just a great character. Someone who really, to this day, is kind of like, angry may not be the right word, but he's really sad that Walmart did not get more aggressive early on because he, he loved them and he thought they could be the future that he wanted
0: it to work Mm -hmm. there. He wanted, he wanted to see the success of it there. So yeah, I I loved his character. I loved it. He just seemed like, um, humble,
3: super humble. I mean, I, I would, I hope one day I can make it out to the log cabin he built in, (laughs) in rural Washington where he lives, uh, today. And, um, yeah, he asked me to he asked me to sign a sign a copy for his. Um, I think he has a twenty three year old daughter who's just starting her life in the business world and uh, didn't know much about his background at Walmart. Yeah. And so, oh. um, anyway, fun guy who who uh, who I'm, I'm glad I was able to bring bring to life uh, a bit uh, to readers.
1: Jason Del Rey, Winner Sells All, Amazon, Walmart, and The Battle for Our Wallets. I'm telling you, if you're if you're a young professional, I don't care what business that you're in. I mean, this book is for everybody. We love this book. I am going to shout to the mountaintops, buy it now. Please do.
3: Please do. Next time over in Manhattan. Let's do it. Let's yeah. have an evening cocktail hour, shall we?
1: Absolutely. We'll be back with something right after this.
2: My name is Destiny O'Shawn. I am CEO of Better AMS, and you are listening to the
0: Always Off-Brand Podcast. The one thing we didn't get to about this book that I was dying to talk about was the growth versus profit. I know. And one of the things I have loved the most about Amazon is their growth mindset. And Walmart has always been stuck in their profit mindset for so long. And I really wanted to get into it. We didn't have time today. But I just have to say, if I am on the same likes of Jeff Bezos, I think I might be okay.
1: Now, what was your... You had an interaction with Jeff Bezos. You you in, you said on a text train or something, that, a Chain, that... What was... Yeah. Talk about that. A
0: lo- so I have lived in Seattle for 15 years. I've never seen the dude, right? I go to Hawaii... It's Matt and I on this like little break that we're taking together, just the two of us, no, no kids. And I go to work out in the morning and we're staying at like a JW Marriott, which is nice, but it's a JW Marriott. And I'm working out and I'm like, it's Jeff Bezos. Oh my, I'm Like, why am I? I'm literally, he's on the next bench next to me working out. And I go up and go to the back to the hotel room. I'm like, Matt, you're never gonna believe who I was working out next to. And he's like, Was security there? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know He's I didn't see any men standing in black suits he's like summer sweet my sweet wife, my sweet wife. That, that was not Jeff Bezos and I was just like I guess he's right like why the f would Jeff Bezos be at a JW Marriott working out but I'm like you're you're right I, I don't know what I was thinking the next morning Matt goes to work out with me and I see the same dude and I'm just like you know get out of my way let me grab my five pound weight this guy's like benching really heavy stuff. And I, I'm not giving him any, any mind. Matt and I wrap up our workout as we're walking out. And he goes, oh, my God, Summer, that's Jeff Bezos. <laughs> like, and he's like, what the F is Jeff Bezos who could buy this entire island in Hawaii yeah, what's at J.W. He- Marriott? Literally two days later, all the PR comes out about how him and his wife are divorcing, how he's cheating on her, how he's seeing this woman. And I just keep thinking. And I would love to ask him one day, what the F are you doing at a Marriott yeah. in Hawaii days before this big bomb dropped? He was hiding out. Nobody expected him to be there. You didn't expect him to be there. He was like on the DL summer. And security had to be there somewhere. And I was just like, completely unaware. <laughs> totally I'm incognito. pushing the guy out of my way to grab my five pound weight. <laughs>
1: uh God, yes, the, the 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 book is so great. It's so cool to meet and just be able to chit-chat with Jason Del Rey, who's been covering this knee-deep in it for years and years. And so I just think it's the characters and the story arc and whatever. And it's continued, right? I mean, he's got a lot more books yeah. in him uh, because this, the story continues. I think that Walmart, smartly, right? He said, we can't beat him here, we can't beat him there, whatever. I think they just finally just raised the white flag and said, fuck it, let's just do the exact same playbook they're doing. Because that's basically what's happening. If, for us who work in it and see it, that's basically yeah. what they're doing. Now they're letting anybody and everybody join walmart.com. Third part, they have created a, a very similar third-party marketplace, and there is no scruples, no requirements. I mean, it's just all hell's breaking loose, right? And their ad revenue going up. I think they just said, screw it, why don't we just do it? Because we do have a different customer, which I still believe they have a little bit of different customer.
0: Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. But listen, I think if anything in this book, what it will show you is that who you surround yourself, who you know, and who you have relationships matter. Because why, Scott? Why, Haley? People matter. That's right. And you are listening to always... Woof. Brand. Thanks so much. Be sure to like, be sure to share, be sure to follow.
1: Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Hey there. This is Haley from Quickfire, and they want me to read this so you know what this podcast is part of and how to find out more if you want. Always Off Brand is a production of Quickfire LLC and a part of the Learn and Laugh series on the Quickfire Podcast Network. For more information, go to QuickfireNow.com. Have a good one, and thanks for listening.
1: No, it's too long, but know. you're like, we're with, with the author of the book? Yeah. Winner sells all.
0: <laughs> I know. I was like, wait. <laughs> it was bad. That's no, why, don't I'm you not don't need at, s- like reading. I just need to talk. You just need to be you just do you boo.